Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to NerdPod Generations episode 18? 19. Is it 19? It's 19. My mind is shot. It's it's Doctor Who Day. Doctor Who Day. number this is, it's Doctor Who Day and that's all that matters. Hey, listen. In Doctor Who, numbers aren't always what they say. That's seem. true. Wibbly wobbly. Timey wimey. I think so. I think Matt Smith is the eleventh and twelfth Doctor in canon. Uh, no, David Tennant's the one that also got. Um, he he came back once. Yes. As well, yeah. and then you have to regenerated throw in, himself. Then you have to throw in John Hurt. We're gonna have to. We're gonna get to all. Yeah, of we're this. gonna get through all. How's this. it going, friends and enemies? So this is this is Steve Taylor, Nerdpod Generations, Mr. Al Judson, as beautiful as always. Um, we're just having a good old time talking about stuff, and I realized, you know, we should be talking about this shit on yeah. on the air. Yeah, get the mics going. Anything let's do we it. say is gold. Yeah, it's well, period. That's just true. Yeah, it's just true. That's empirically true. Um, so once again, this is Nerdpod Generations. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any podcast distributor of your choice. Um, make sure to tell a friend, tell an enemy. Tell your dog, get as many people to listen. We want to hear from you, and we would love to have your support. So now, first off, Mr. Al, yes. what have you been watching, playing, reading? So I've actually been, we, we're going to talk about Doctor Who, so I've been boning up on Doctor Who. I've been watching a lot of Doctor Who. But uh, since we're going to be talking about that already, I have been playing D&D for the first time ever. Really? It's very fun. I'm enjoying it very much. Are you much. doing online or are you No, doing... I'm doing it with a group of friends. Okay. Um, a buddy of mine who I've known since I was a kid. He was one of my groomsmen. Okay. Uh, he's DMing. And our longtime uh, youth pastor, who's his mom, is part of the party. So it's a bunch of us from various generations of her uh, youth groups. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it immensely. Uh, I'm playing as a dragonborn named Roy Strongbreath. They gave me a list of names. Roy Strongbreath. They gave me a list of names. I don't know if that's good or not. See, this was the intention. Yeah. The idea is that at one point in his lineage, that would have been a very honorable name. Now, maybe less so in some circles. Um, so I'm, I'm having fun. I'm having fun. I've got the miniature. I bought dice for the first time ever. Oh my God. You're going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah. See, you weren't, I don't know if you, I don't even, yeah, yeah. You might've just been born in the eighties. No, you were, it was definitely before your time. In the eighties, there was, when Dungeons and Dragons became big. Yeah. There were like, was it Tom Hanks was in a made for TV Uh, movie. Mazes and Monsters. Mazes and Monsters. And there was... Um, like Law and Order episodes, yeah, and there were shows where everyone thought it was like the devil, and it was a cult, it was a and cult. it was leading their kids to murder people for real, and all that. And it's like, wow, wow, our country fucking sucks for a <laughs> long time. We're idiots. We really are idiots. It's it's by and large like it reminds me as so many things in America do. Mm. It reminds me of that line in Men in Black, where Tommy Lee Jones is looking out over the water and trying to convince. Will Smith to join up and he's explaining the situation and Will Smith asks, but why don't you just tell people? People are smart. They'll understand. And Tommy Lee Jones turns to him and he says, uh, a person is smart. People are dumb animals and you know it. That's true. And it's like, yeah. That's so true. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, So, but yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Awesome. I'm enjoying digging into it. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. We just raided a uh, dungeon. Nice. Uh, that had zombies in it. 
I am a very clumsy ranger. <laughs> I really, I very clumsy uh, because I do not roll well when trying to find paths. Okay, and since I'm level two now, uh, my stats aren't so high that I can kind of account for a natural six. Oh my god! And so if we're looking for food, and it's like I will go Oregon Trail style and look for food. And so you get dysentery every time you go looking for food. Well, that's Oregon Trail style. I, the cleric found more food than I did. Okay. And then uh, the we have a uh, Goliath. Okay. And, uh, she grabbed one of the deer, and I had to kill it with an arrow while she was it got away from her. So I was interesting. Like, I'll get it, and I miss. <laughs> did you hit her? No, I missed and just hit nothing. It was like I, I got a three. And the deer uh, outrolled me. The, this deer went through our entire party, cartoon style, and just kept saving. It was very funny. That sounds like a deer. Yeah. Deers are assholes. It was a good time. So I'm enjoying it. I'm that's having a very awesome, good time. Man. That's good to hear. It's good yeah. to hear that that's still alive and well and kicking. Yeah, it's fun. Nice. I'm doing it uh, for the first time since COVID. Yeah. Was, we're opening up doors and such. I'm hoping that we can host here at some point. Oh, that'd be awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, you know what we should do? We should do uh, have some guests, get a couple of the guys you play with to be guests on the show. <laughs> we can talk about D&D. &D. We can talk about the cartoon. We can yeah. talk about the game itself. Oh, man. Talk about the celebrity of it now with the Joe Meganello yeah. making it like this big thing. It's a, It's gotten its own kind of like there was a cult following, but mm. now it's hitting the mainstream. There, oh, it's the becoming new very coming mainstream. coming out again. I know. We'll and see if they can do it this time. Man, some of those old ones were shit. <sighs> They're real bad. I'm I remember one with Marlon one. Weans, I think. Yeah. Was it? Is it 98, 2000? It was something like that. Yeah. It was terrible. No good. Very bad. Yeah. Very bad. Wasn't Jeremy Irons Jeremy too? Jeremy Irons is in it. Oh Thor my Birch God. is in it. Uh, yeah. No. But Jeremy Irons, he did a lot of those shitty because he was in Aragon also. Like he's just like, hey, you got a shitty movie I could be in. If, if I remember correctly, his excuse was that he had just purchased a castle. Yes. Yes. Which it makes sense. Well, you know, and you got to give celebrities credit for admitting to that. I heard Steven Tyler once. When he, someone asked, he was on, I believe it was the Joe Rogan podcast, and he asked him, um, why, did he did, why did he do American Idol? And uh -huh. he said, why well, didn't he have a house in Malibu before it? And now he has a house in Malibu. Yeah. And he's like, that's why he did it. He goes, you know how much money they paid me? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, meh. I'd do that. I'd sell my soul. I don't give a shit. They drove a dump up truck up to my house full of money. Yeah. I'm not made of stone. No. I not think that's Simpsons. I can't remember. It might be. Yeah. There's so many Simpsons lying yeah. bounce around. So as far as me, I don't really I haven't been watching I've been going down YouTube rabbit holes all mm -hmm. week. So I haven't really watched or played anything substantial. Have you found anything interesting on the YouTube? I have gotten big into these guys who go around to garage sales and pawn shops and try to find like video games and ah. other collectibles that are priced like ridiculous because people don't know what they have and then they take them and they sell them online. Nice. And I've been getting into these. Like I've been getting into the people buying uh, storage units and going through them. It's <laughs> it's it, it's like insane. Have you it, hit the storage wars? No, I don't like that because it's too scripted. Ah, uh, like so much of that reality TV. Yeah, like the YouTube ones at least are just something you know people who are buying yeah. these storage facilities and going through them. Yeah, you know the whole storage wars. It's a little more 
dramatic and I don't need all that crap. When I was at uh, Purchase, we used to call that sketchy TV. Yeah. Yeah, that is sketchy. Yeah. It's super sketchy TV. It's sketchy TV. Um, there was one thing I watched this week, though. And that is the Venom 2 trailer. Oh, boy, I've been waiting for this. And let me tell you. Ooh, you still feeling good about this one, Steve? I am not feeling good about this one I'm not feeling good anymore. about this one, Steve. Because this looked a whole hell of a lot like the first one. Yeah. And it's like, the first one made a butt ton of money. Yeah. But there was a lot of criticism that I was hoping they would take. And they got a better director, someone that knows motion capture and Andy Serkis. They got, you know, Woody Harrelson, I think, will be great as um, Carnage. And it was, ah, oh God, it looked a lot like the first one. God damn it. Yeah. I was sitting here, and I get the excitement mm. from a third-party perspective. Kelly was watching it, and she was jazzed about it. She was like, oh, this looks really fun. And I'm sitting there, and my, my one resounding thought is but could we try the canon but like could we try it i know i know you don't have any faith that it's going to work and well there was just... an old saying my grandfather used to tell me he said this was what this was what the indian said to custer before he killed him and custer said no i didn't mean to do it the indian said too late now and that's kind of what they're in right now because they've already really launched the Spider-Man franchise but and they've can, launched the Venom franchise. That's not an excuse here, man. That's not an excuse because... Money. I, that's not an excuse either. That, that, For them, that's an excuse. It's so... Couldn't we try, though? Couldn't we try and do a story where, it like, Venom actually has to reproduce... And I mean Venom as a character. I don't mean Venom the symbiote. I refuse to call the symbiote Venom because that's it's not factually wrong. Yes. Um, so ah, I, I, I'm sitting here and I'm just like, okay, this is frustrating. The you blew the origin. Fine. I guess we're not going to do that even though mm -hmm. – you definitely could, and it would be really interesting, and you could go into all kinds of things about it and what it does and how it affects Eddie. and all. You know, there's not just a whole wealth of things you could take out of mm. the comics that has nothing to do with Spider-Man. No, we got to invent this whole stupid bullshit mm -hmm. and get rid of the concept of them and Carnage as father and son. Mm. Um, just so many elements of it just really pissed me off and then and then you get to that stupid fucking scene at the end of the trailer with the boyfriend no where venom says oh oh i'm not doing this that's a yes. and i was like you gotta be fuck get the fuck out of here you know what if you're not gonna take this seriously get the fuck out of here i'm done yeah. i'm done you lost any limited level of credibility you may have had when you said that and then Eddie's like, I'll let you eat everybody. Okay. I hate this Kool-Aid man Venom. I hate him. I hate him. I hate everything about him. Mm -hmm. I am so frustrated. <laughs> they didn't learn anything. And it's so annoying because I love Andy Serkis. And the Carnage stuff looks legitimately good. Yes. But this is terrible. Well, it's once again, the problem is, is they made a ton of money on that first one so to the studio it's like 
we're just going to keep rolling the way we were, keep it PG-13, which still blows my mind. But, like, tonight I'm excited because uh, Suicide Squad actually is active now. Is it? On HBO Max. So when I get home, I'm going to watch it tonight. Whoa. But everything I've heard about it is phenomenal. So you take a superhero movie like Deadpool, which was very rated R in the comic book, and you make it R. You take a, a superhero story like The Suicide Squad, and you make it very rated R. And they're both going to do incredibly well. I mean, Deadpool already crushed it. Deadpool Suicide had, Squad's going to crush it. Deadpool had a wildly successful sequel. Yeah. Which just doubled down on And you on know that when the third the movie one. finally comes out, it's going to be They're going to have to go enormous to, yeah. to show everybody that they... Like, Deadpool's going to have to get ripped in half again. Yeah. Like, in the first scene. That's going to have to be the first thing that happens. about what the pitch was Ryan Reynolds pitched to Disney? Oh, my God. Before the whole... Um, free guy trailer reaction video. Yeah. He and this was verified. He went into Disney and pitched them a short film of Deadpool interviewing the hunter that killed Bambi's mom. <laughs> but not in like a interrogation way, oh. in like interviewing the guy because he admired him so much. And that was a legit pitch that he pitched to Disney. Oh, my God. And they said no. And I'm like, oh, my God, Disney, you're so stupid. You know how many hits they would have got off that? You would have exploded. That, that literally would have broke the internet. Yeah. Absolutely. I Again, mean, the, yeah. As Deadpool is apt to do, people don't learn their lesson. No. And they keep on not learning their lesson. And it just, it's like the people in 2018, I'm going to see Infinity War for the second time. And I'm sitting there watching in mass as people get up and leave the theater. Yeah. And these are people that I overheard because this was an IMAX theater talking about how excited they were to see it for the first time mm -hmm. and overheard their reactions throughout the, 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 the whole movie. And they just get up and walk out during the credits. And I'm just like, it's been 10 years. Yep. How do you not get this? Ten years and over twenty movies, and each one of them have one to two uncredited scenes. How, Sony? How do you not get this? You're sitting on a well of gold, and you're turning it into this. I wouldn't even call this sanitized. This is like sterilized yeah. venom. This is just so. Ah. Uh... Why? No, it's Why? bad. It's bad. Why like I, I was looking forward to the movie. Now I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. I love Andy Serkis. I do I too. I love the Apes movies. I love Mowgli. If you haven't seen Mowgli, Mowgli's great. You have to see Mowgli. It's Mowgli's on Netflix. Great. It's so good. It's so much better than the Disney Jungle Book. Mm. I. No, it nothing could. I've seen makes me happy. It could turn out great. It could. Because, like, the one big problem I had with the first one is it was kind of all over the place. You could tell because they had said there were some reshoots. And you could tell that it wasn't a cohesive story. So they kind of screwed with it. So if they can at least make this a cohesive, linear story that actually makes some sense, they're already a step up. Yeah. And then they just need to – hopefully the, the bad humor moments we saw in that trailer – don't drag down the parts that they're in. Because there was like, there were some really bad humor moments. There's just God awful. And you, you throw that in with the last trailer where he's making breakfast. Yeah. 
And I'm just like, I'm sitting here and I'm just like, you completely missed the point of everything. Yeah. And you decided to go off and just invent something new when you're trying to make a movie about a character that has a lineage. Why? Why? It looks to me like they want the superhero version of the odd couple. That's exactly what it is. And that's what they're playing. Yeah. And it's making me crazy. Yeah. Because that's not it. That's not it at all. And I can't even begin to tell you how much that's not the point. It's insanely not the point. It's so not the point that by doing that, they have removed the ability to talk about the relationship between the symbiote and Cletus Cassidy, Mm -hmm. who referred to themselves as I, Mm -hmm. not we, which means an enormous amount. But the we thing, they don't do. They -hmm. don't discuss what Eddie's doing when Venom's out. They don't discuss how any of this works or what's going on with it. And just because you reference chocolate, that doesn't mean I'm going to put up with all this bullshit. Yeah. And especially, this is a theater-only release. Yeah. I'm not seeing it in the theater. I'm not going out to the theater There's to see a this. Lot, I think there are a lot of people that are not going to go see this in the theater. I, there, this is going to be considered a flop when no one goes to see yes. it. Because, A, no one wants to risk it, and B... You're going to completely abandon your hardcore base, which means you're going to rely entirely on the base from the first movie, which I think you're underestimating how much was the hardcore base and yes. how much was newbies coming in and falling in love with the thing. And I think a lot of folks are going to, you know, there's a lot, all this criticism right now for HBO mm-hmm. um, for releasing these movies and, and not giving them theatrical releases and same with Disney Plus doing the premium. I think once these guys, these actors and directors and theater owners get what they want, they're going to see that pe- people ain't like the people that are going now and spending it first weekend, and then it has that huge drop off. That's not going to change. I don't think. No, that's going to get worse. It's going to get a lot worse because they're not going to have that income from the HBO Max right away or the you know the whatever, the Disney premium to $30 or whatnot, they're not going to have that right away. Well, I feel for the theater owners themselves, like the studios, they're going to be fine because they're still going to be making their money hand over fist by making the movies in the first place. But I think that theater owners are in a a tough position because basically you've been cornered into this place where you're looking for the hardcores to come out to support you. You know, like I can see very easily there being movies by like a James Cameron or a Christopher Nolan, which are like, oh, you got it. You got to go and see that in a theater. But there's so many movies that come out every year that are not like, you got to go out and see it in a theater. And so I just, I wonder if you're going to have more movie theaters like The Little was here in town. I don't know if they still are. I haven't been in a long time, but like very art house, very... Not niche. Well, to survive, they had to build. They built a like a coffee shop slash wine that, bar yeah. and to kind of get a little more income because they were not. No. You know, a lot of what kept them alive was donations from yeah. from some of the wealthier in the area. But to me, I don't necessarily feel that bad for the theater owners because the writing has been on the wall for a very long time. That's true. This is very reminiscent of Blockbuster Video to where they felt, oh, we got money hand over fist. We're going to have these big years. It's never going to end. And then one day, Netflix came down like a, a chop and cut their head off. Yeah. And 
that's what's happening now with theaters because you got people like us who were diehard movie viewers going to the theater. Like I, before I got married, I would go to the theater five, six times a week, yeah. easy, just to see movies like on days off and stuff. And I, if I never go to a theater again, like right now, the only thing that might get me to go is when Avatar 2 comes out, if it's an IMAX 3D, mm-hmm. I would probably go see that just to get the 3D. But for a normal movie, I don't, I have a I have a big screen I can hook yeah. up. I have a 60-inch TV, 4K. It's like, why do I need... I'm going to be honest. I went to see Black Widow in theaters. Mm. A, because it was going to be... Well, not A. In part, because it was going to be cheaper uh, than uh, renting it mm. through the store. But also, like, I've been talking about that movie for a long time. And I really wanted it to do well, so I wanted to go out and support it in a theater. Outside of those kind of occurrences, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if there's something that I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, I have to go and see that in a Marvel movies because it's just gonna be a tradition in my heart that yeah. I like. I gotta go out and see it in a movie theater because I've seen every single one of these stupid things in a movie theater, um, even the bad ones, even the really bad ones, yeah, even the personally deeply upsetting ones. Oh yes, we won't talk about that web slinger. <laughs> There's your there's your uh, homecoming mention for that. Yeah, yeah, thank, thank you. Um, but very subtle. Yes. Uh, so, yes, I I'm very curious to see where theaters go from here. I'm very curious to see what streaming turns into from here, because I'm personally like I don't get to go to the theater and you know be mm. invited to go and see these movies, but I want to be able to talk about them. So having them streaming is so much better and what if you think about this you know this is not from a political spin if and when that infrastructure bill passes and they increase the amount of broadband around the country because right now like we're lucky we got phenomenal internet like the the shit i'm paying for is like a jet engine compared to you hear i hear these stories of people like in wyoming and montana where there's it's not even dial-up quality. Mm-hmm. Like they have to buy, like they still buy old video game systems that you don't need to do updates because they can't do updates. Yeah. Um, but imagine if 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 million more people in this country get access to a, a, a good broadband internet, that's going to increase even more the amount of people that do streaming. Mm-hmm. And so they're like Amazon and Netflix, their numbers are going to go up. Disney Plus is going to go up. HBO Max is going to go up. And that's just going to be another nail in the coffin for yeah. theaters. It's, it's really going to, I think the only way that it could go is kind of sweet it. Because the other one that I love, my favorite theater, period, the end, is the Alamo Draft House. Mm. It is incredible. There was one in Yonkers that we went to all the time Mm. (laughs) it was our our main theater because it was just worth the extra bus trip and worth the time and worth getting the uber back home because Mm. you didn't want to wait for the bus again um but it's like for those who don't know it's a full restaurant and movie theater and they do you know what's coming out weekly Mm. but they also have special showings regularly like every week yeah. they have something going on. Kind of like the dried in here. Exactly. In yeah. So it's like you're going to have stuff like that. And you're going to have the Nolan 
See, I think those theaters are going to survive because yeah. they are niche. They're not the mainstream. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I think they'll survive. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens to like an AMC or a Regal, one of these big chains. I'm interested to see how they cope with it. Well, you could already tell. I mean, they were already hurting to the point that they decided to put in the stadium seating and reduce the amount of seats in the theaters because they weren't getting nearly the amount of people to fill them. Mm -hmm. But now that number is going to decrease even more to where, you know, you go from opening night on a Friday. I think the Tinseltown theaters was like 250 seats, the big ones. Now... That same theater, if it could get 75 people on an opening night, would be mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. And I don't even know if they'll get that much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially with this new variant kicking in and COVID hitting the, hitting the fucking gas pedal come October. I know. That's when a lot of these big movies are coming out. So, I mean, we're looking at um, the Venom 2. We're looking at uh, The Eternals, the next yeah. Spider-Man movie, the next James Bond movie. Oh Dune, God. but Dune will be on HBO Max also. It will also be streaming. But all these major, like these some major, major movies coming out that I don't think are going to do shit. No. Like I'll be amazed if they don't close theaters again. They're going to – I'm wondering if they're going to close theaters again, honestly. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen. There seems – I'm, I'm not well-versed enough mm. to speak on it, but I'm just going to – do what the doctors say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been masking up when going indoors again, which I honestly had only stopped doing for about three weeks. Mm. <laughs> so it's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, I, I have no idea. I have no idea because I'm not going to go and see the Eternals with a mask on. No, I'm not sitting in a theater with a mask on. I, I just. For I'm, two hours. Especially no. like around people. When I went to see Black Widow, I just looked around and I was like, I don't trust at least 50% of the Oh, absolutely. Audience. And that's the problem is there are so many assholes out there that are not vaccinated. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I I know at least a half dozen people who are vaccinated, still got the variant, got decently sick, but just recovered quicker. Uh-huh. But they were like, man, if I didn't have that vaccine, I would really have been screwed. Like, yeah. that's how bad it was for a mild case. Yeah. So I'm looking at my kids like, shit, they can't get vaccinated yet. So it's... This is the other thing is that not everybody can get vaccinated right now. Like, we literally don't have the ability to vaccinate people, I think, under 12. Yeah, it's 12, I think, is the cutoff. Um, They're they're starting to test around 10, 12, see if they can get that number a little lower. But, like, we're not done. (laughs) Yeah, not by a long shot. We're not done. (laughs) Don't think that we're done. We're not... So... It's going to be an interesting fall. Yeah. Very interesting fall. All right, folks. So that was our tangent of the night. We go from Venom to the death of movie theaters. But that's how we roll here, that's man. That's what happens, That's how our man. brains fire. You just got to hold on and follow along best you can. Yeah. All right. So now it is time for the infamous Doctor Who Day. It's time to go. For those of you who are unaware, Doctor Who is a series that has been on since 1963. Yes. It's a British science fiction th- series that follows an alien named the doctor his name is not and i shouldn't even say he the alien's name is not doctor who which is an infamous you know everyone that doesn't know the show they're like oh you're doctor who it's like no no, no that's mm-hmm. the doctor it's the doctor that's the whole joke though is doctor who that's kind of yeah. what it is 
So this has been going on since 1963. It's been played by 13 different individuals because Mm -hmm. whoever thought up the show had the genius idea of to be able to keep the show fresh, the alien is able to resurrect themselves. When they get killed, they go through a regeneration and that changes their face, their appearance, their sex, because we have a female one for the first time right now in Jodie Whittaker. And the doctor can change into a completely different looking person so they can just hire new actors. Yeah. And it keeps it fresh. They can change the TARDIS, which the TARDIS is uh, the phone booth. Not the phone booth. The, um, the well, it's police. a phone booth. It's a police yeah, box. It's a police box. It looks um, like a giant phone booth. It's, it's a spaceship that travels through space and time. And it looks like a big blue police box, old school British style, because the way the doctor explains it is back in the day when he was traveling through England, it got stuck. They, it used to have this thing that would change what it looked like depending on where he was. The chameleon but, circuit. Yeah, the chameleon circuit broke, and yeah. so now it's stuck as the police box. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. It's the greatest thing. It's I love it. It's yeah. iconic. It's great. It's It has that British sense to it. Oh, like, very much so. Like cricket and world domination. Nah. Yeah. But <laughs> it has that very British feel to it. Yes. Um, like having tea. I remember when I worked at BBC America, there was a giant TARDIS in the entryway. Oh, my God. It's so good. I would go nuts over that. I've so seen good. people who have done the the door frame heading into a room is yeah. the TARDIS. And so when you open it, it's bigger on the inside. Yeah. Because that's a joke, folks. For you, those of you who are some of the few in the world that don't know Doctor Who, the fun part about the TARDIS is it's this small box. But when you go in, it's huge. And the doctor is known for loving people's reaction when they walk in and he says, well, it's bigger on the inside. Yeah. And that's kind of like the jokey thing. He waits for it. He waits for it. Yeah. And then there was the great with Peter Capaldi um, where he gets to do that because the, one of the side characters, River Song doesn't realize that he's the doctor because she hasn't seen him since his regeneration. So he got to go into the police box and pretend like he was uh, the first time seeing the inside. And it was Awesome. It was comic gold right there. I still laugh my ass off every time I see that because, of course, he way overplayed it. Yeah. Um, all right. So real quick running through the doctors. Yes. Um, starts with William Hartnell from 1963 to 1966. Then on to Patrick Troughton from 1966 to 1969. John Pertwee from 1970 to 1974. And those of you who like the show Gotham, his son played Alfred in that show. That is John oh, Pertwee's son. Oh, yes. Um, Tom Baker, who was my first doctor and a lot of people's favorite doctor, was the longest tenure. He did it from 1974 to 1981. And the longest scarf. And the longest scarf. Great scarf. It's been in so many pop culture. Yeah. I still remember when it was on The Simpsons. And then after Tom Baker went to Peter Davison with his celery uh, lapel um, 1982 to 1984, then to Colin Baker, 1984 to 1986, and then to Sylvester McCoy, who those of you would know as um, Radagast the Brown from the Hobbit movies. He was 1987 to 1989, and then here's where an interesting thing happened. It was a very tongue-in-cheek show, and the ratings had dropped, and so from 1986 or 1989 on, there was no TV again. Until 2005. But in the middle was an American-made movie where Paul McGann 
for one movie, played the doctor. And it was a horrible movie <laughs> because anything that Americans get their hands on that belong to other countries, we like to screw. We missed the point entirely. Completely missed the point and just, it was horrendous. Yeah. Luckily, Paul McGann has gotten some opportunities to do some short films as the doctor and some audio recordings as the doctor, which they have a very robust um, library of audio plays, pretty yeah. much, of Doctor Who different adventures and they're amazing like every doctor's pretty much done one like they're yeah. absolutely amazing um then paul mcgann after the 1996 movie tanked there was another lull and then christopher eccleston um who played malachi in thor the dark world for those of you who don't exactly know who he is in 2005 only for that season played the doctor but he revived the series because it brought it back into like a more mainstream, more modern. It had a little bit better budget, even though some of the special effects were still kind of cheap. It had a better budget. Um, and then it went into the next Doctor, was David Tennant, which was a lot of people's favorites, from 2005 to 2010. After him, Matt Smith from 2010 to 2013. And then Peter Capaldi from 2014 to 2017. And now Jodie Whittaker from 2018. And I believe they said her tenure will be up in 2022. So we're still waiting. We're going to have to wait a year to find out who the next doctor is going to be. Give it up for Steve Taylor. Yes, That's a long so list. Woo! That was a long list. So now, I know the answer to this, but I, our listeners need to know the answer. You, who is your favorite doctor on that list? Uh, I can't get away from him. Like some of my other man crushes, David Tennant, man. David Tennant. I love me the Tenth Doctor. He's still my favorite. When I was going back and rewatching, mm. I I'll, I'll be completely honest. I have never seen anything from before two thousand and five. Really? Really, really. Oh man, some of the old ones are fun. It's it's so daunting to go back and try and catch up on all yeah. of it when I already have so much of the modern incarnation that I have to catch up on. Yeah. Um, because I stopped watching. When Capaldi took over, uh, I love Matt Smith. Have you seen any of the Capaldi? I watched a lot of Capaldi. Capaldi's great in his own way. I disagree, but we can talk about. We'll this. talk about that. Um, it's it's just a much different take on the Doctor. It's a different take that I do not have a taste for. Yes. I know, I know, historically, I know, canonically, I know all these other things. Yes, yes, I know. Do you know the funny, the best part about this? Hmm. The year before he, his first episode as the Doctor, he was in the World War Z movie with... Yes. And he played a Who, Who doctor. doctor. And then the next year, he was Doctor Who. Yes. I thought that was awesome. That's great. That's yeah. great. That's, that's undeniably great. So David Tennant for you, I agree. David Tennant. Yeah. I've thought about this. I love Matt Smith I so much. I love Matt Smith so much, but it's... And Tom Baker was my first. Um, and I love Tom Baker. But David Tennant. There's if, just so many great episodes. If Eccleson opened the door, Tennant brought the party inside. Oh, yeah. He knocked the door down. Yeah. It, it, there was definitely, like, Eccleson definitely set up the party, but Tennant is what makes yes. Doctor Who, modern Doctor Who, what it is. Yes. Um, and the iconicness of it and how it was so big that it was able to graduate over to American nerd culture a second mm. time again uh, uh, after the original series. Mm. But uh, I love Matt Smith so much. I know, Matt It's Smith's so great. hard because when you watch Matt Smith's first two seasons, 
they're so almost perfect. Yeah. In in how he portrays the character and the relationship between him and the pawns and And I'll tell you, Matt Smith is the only reason I have any love for James Corden. Because I can't stand James Corden. No. But he was in two of my favorite episodes with Matt Smith as the doctor. Awesome. Awesome stuff. I still turn to Kelly and say, Pizza Boost, Kelly. (laughs) Nice. uh, That is so good. I like James Corden pretty well. I don't know if he's a great late night host. I think he does great bits. Yeah. I don't know if as a host he can necessarily Yeah, hold up. he's not as bad as Fallon as a host, but he's up there. Exactly. Like he's you, up there. I wouldn't watch him interview anybody. Yeah. I wouldn't watch him do a monologue. I've tried. It's and he's he's taken um this is tangent number two, by the way, folks. He he took over for um Craig Ferguson, who was my favorite late night host. He was the funniest by far, I think, in my opinion. Um, and he stole, there's a, a very popular talk show in Britain called the Graham Norton show. It's yeah. been on forever. And I love watching videos from that. The way he interviews people he got from Graham Norton because oh, he couch. sits in the chair and he has the couch where they all sit on. It's like, took that right from the Graham Norton show. Yeah. I, I like James Corden as an actor. It, he's mm. good and in into the woods. He was in Cats. Yeah, we. I'm, you can't I'll hold never against see that, him. so I can't. Um, I I do love all the videos of him hyping cats mm. before it came out, and then like he didn't see, he yeah. didn't see how the effects were gonna look. He didn't know they shot those on the day that he was filming. They took him aside after he shot for the day, and they were like, "Can we do like five minutes for post pro production, mm. and we'll count it towards your overall production needs?" Uh, so awful. Oh, it's we bad. We all talk about that. It's really bad. Um. <laughs> All right, so do you have a favorite episode? I think Blink is still my favorite episode. Blink the one with the, the Weeping, Weeping Angels. Angels. So um, would that make the Weeping Angels your favorite villain in Doctor Who? They're definitely the villain that's most iconic to me. I get that the more Dalek, than the Daleks. I get that the Daleks and the Cybermen are like bigger mm-hmm. deals, but I whenever the Weeping Angels show up, that's the one that scares me. Okay. Um, the Weeping Angels. The first time I saw any Doctor Who episode was Blink, and I found it on PBS at 10, 11 o'clock at night. And at the time, our my we had a family room, hmm. and I was watching TV in the basement. Oh, God. And I lived in the attic. Oh, my so God. So I had to go all the way upstairs. That's terrifying. And my brother had a sheet that was part of, like, a wall uh. Uh, divider. And so it would, like, rustle. And it was just like... Uh, I hate everything. And that yeah. was my introduction to Doctor Who. Uh, it took me a little while to come back, but I I really love that episode. That's a it's great episode. It's so well made. It's so well written. Uh, and you have Carrie Mulligan just giving a fucking incredible performance. And is that the first... Oh, wait. Okay. So Blink is the one where... You don't even really see the doctor. No, he's an ancillary character. That's right. Okay, I I was mistaken there for the one in the cave, but I know. Okay, I know which one that you're talking one about is now. Also good. But what what makes the one what makes Blink great is the fact that you only see David Tennant for the majority of the show in like one or two minute little blips on a TV. Yeah, it's so brilliant. It's it was a very well done episode. It's so bonkers well written and directed yeah. and hats off to Moffat because that was his whole thing. He brought the whole thing together, I think. Yeah, he did. Uh, 
and it was so good man, it was so good man it, that is still when i was re-watching doctor who that was mm. one of the episodes i was like yeah i, I can't not re-watch it and i'm just mm. sitting there and just like oh my god how is this how is this so perfectly good it's, it's so good everything about it is great up until like the very end they, uh-huh. they do this little tack on bit at the very end where they replay the doctor's warning and then they flash to different statues in london mm. and it's a little corny but like the rest of the episode is so good yeah it's, it's so really good, good. And you know, that's the great thing is because at that point they still didn't have insane budgets. No. And so they needed to think outside the box in episodes like that. That's one of the things that's so brilliant about Doctor Who Mm -hmm. is it's it's guerrilla sci fi. Yeah. It's the the Daleks have a plunger and an egg beater because that was their budget. Yeah. And And that's the best part is the Cybermen they've updated and some of the other creatures they updated. The Dalek isn't much of an update. Like, no. that is such an iconic villain that they just cleaned it up a little bit, but it still looks yeah. very similar to the original one in the 60s. Well, and it's very telling that they keep on doing these, like, updates and upgrades, and there's a Matt Smith episode where the Daleks are evolve. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, the we're going to destroy all the old Daleks, and now we're the new Daleks. Yep. And, um, and that, of course, doesn't actually happen because... It always comes back to that original look. Mm. Every time it comes back to that original look. Which is, it's, it's, it's like... iconic. It goes side by side with the TARDIS. You, I've seen, have you seen the, the salt and pepper shakers? Oh, yeah. The TARDIS salt and the Dalek pepper. Yeah. I've like, seen, I, I like to go, I like to look up online for all kinds of crap like yeah. that. I just love, yeah. I love all that shit. Um, so for me, it would be, uh, surprisingly... My favorite episode isn't a Tenet or Matt Smith, who are probably my top two. Um, Peter Capaldi did a Christmas special oh, yes. called The Husbands of River Song, which I think is one of the most entertaining, wonderful episodes of that show ever because it's it's a it would work as a standalone where you didn't need to know anything about Doctor Who. Yeah. And if somebody gave you like a brief synopsis, you would thoroughly entertain. Yeah. It, it, it's got action. It's funny. It's got... Um, a very sentimental, but a well-written sentimental ending to it. Yeah. Um, it was just a super well-done episode. Prior to that was the Christopher Eccleston, The Hollow Child. Um, for those of you who have not seen that, awesome. Yeah. Where you have this alien ship at crash land and the ship's uh, nanobot technology that is there to kind of fix people. It was like a... Wasn't it an ambulance ship? That sounds right, yeah. And it it landed on this poor boy who had a gas mask on because it takes place in World War II in, in England. And so it thinks to fix it, it needs to put the gas mask becomes part of the child. And so you have this little British child in the knee shorts with a gas mask for a face walking around saying, are you my mommy? It was the creepiest, most wonderful thing. Yeah. And it brought us Captain Jack Harkness, yeah. who is one of the greatest characters in science fiction lore. Um, yeah, I just, I love it. But in, in the funny thing also is my favorite villains are The Silence, which we talked about last week. Yes. Which, those were some really great episodes. I rewatched uh, the, the first two episodes with The Silence. Oh, you did? Uh, oh, man. They're so good. They're so good. They're so creepy. They're so just unsettling. And I forgot my wife actually has a shirt that says never forget and it has a bunch of slashes on it. And I was like, that's the greatest shirt yeah. ever, man. Man, the scene where Amy is in the house 
Yes. And the guy has like severe memory deficiency because of all the time he spends around these things. That scene is like a genuine horror terrifying. movie. Yeah, it was. It's oh my god! It's and it sets up the entire rest of the season. Yeah, it's essential to the rest of the season. Yeah, no, it's so good. And then you have them end up fighting side by side with the Doctor at the very end of Matt Smith's tenure on uh, um, Transalore. Yes, remember he had the silence. We're actually fighting with him to attack the Daleks and the mm-hmm. and the Cybermen and all that. Oh, it's good stuff. That's good, good stuff. stuff. So now, um, who... Okay. We're going to talk about Peter Capaldi. I think we got to. Now, for those of you who don't know, Peter Capaldi is a massive fan of Doctor Who. Yeah. When he was growing up, I saw in an interview, he actually, he was like 13 or 14, wrote a letter to the Doctor Who fan club explaining why he thought it would be better if he ran it. <laughs> because they didn't know what they were doing. And then he was in an episode, a David Tennant episode, um, the Fires uh, of, of Pompeii. And Which Karen Gillan is also in. She's also in that, yeah. Red. Um, but what makes that interesting is in his first episode as the Doctor, which takes place in, was it like 1600s London, yeah. London or whatever, um, he sees himself in a mirror and he goes, I've seen that face before. Yeah. And it's because he remembers seeing that face. And that kind of tweaked the lore a little bit of where these faces come from when he regenerates. And that makes it sound like he regenerates into someone he's seen before. That's the way it sounds anyway from that description. And it was I, that still blew me away. Yeah. I, I loved it. I didn't know how I felt about Capaldi coming in because he was in Fires of Pompeii. That was like one of the reasons I pointed him and I was like, I don't know. Yeah. You can't have him in the canon twice. Yes, you says, can. Says the man who's watched Marvel do that like six times. A million now. times. Um, yeah, I, I, I really wanted to like Capaldi. I gave him an honest He's shake. just very different. He's exceptionally different. And You so, have two young like sex symbol like doctors and Matt Smith and David Tennant who are a little quirky and then you throw this old dude in there. It's not even the young thing. It's the there's no whimsy to him. No. There's no joy to him. You just have this very grumpy old man who sometimes gets scary mm-hmm. and is sometimes funny. Is often sentimental but definitely doesn't want to show it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like not here for it. Mm. I I don't know the the way that Tennant plays the Doctor and the way that Matt Smith plays the Doctor. And I'm going to finish watching the Jodie Whittaker series because I've instantly fallen in love with her Doctor. Uh-huh. Um, See, we'll talk about her Doctor after that. There's there's this whimsy to it. There's this <clears throat> joy, this childlike joy, and uh, just like energy. Especially mm. Matt Smith. Matt Smith is just like this ball of kinetic energy as the doctor until he's not and that's also kind of when i kind of checked out of the matt smith series was after the pawns left and he got really dour and he just wore plum suits and i was like man this isn't what i come to doctor who for mm. dude i don't come to doctor who for sad times sad times and even when tenet has sad times he still brings this charm and whimsy to it uh-huh. 
that's just like I was watching uh, Water on Mars. Oh, that's great. And he has that moment where he's trying to figure out where he is, and he's mm. looking around, and he's like, I know all these people. Why do I know all these people? And then it strikes him who all these people are, and he goes through the laundry list of it. And there's just this genuine excitement, which is then overshadowed by this panic mm. of knowing what's going on. Mm. And the way that he brings that out as an actor is so good and it's something that i just didn't get out of capaldi i watched i have a theory of capaldi yeah right around when matt smith was coming to an end they had done the day of the doctor which was the yes. 40th anniversary special with him and david Tennant and um what's his face the war doctor um john hurt john hurt there were people saying we want to see more of the war doctor that's kind of how capaldi acted yeah is like what everyone says that hurts character. They call him the War Doctor. Yeah, by they the end do. of his tenure, um, he's referred to as the War Doctor. Yeah. And so I think guys. that's why they kind of went that route because they're like, you know, here's a good example. Have you ever played the Far Cry video games? I've seen them. I haven't played okay. them. Far Cry Three is my favorite video game. Let's yeah. call that David Tennant. Yeah. Far Cry Four, very good. But very similar. We'll call that our Matt Smith. Mm -hmm. And then five detracted. I don't like him as much, but I appreciate that they detracted because the same thing twice was a lot. If they, I got the same thing a third time, that would have been a little much. So it's kind of a similar thing with Doctor Who where I love David Tennant so much. And then I love Matt Smith, but I'm like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be sad if something changed. Yeah. And then kind of Jodie Whittaker is the same thing because if you watch, and the thing I didn't appreciate about her first season is the new showrunner and her, they said they both wanted to kind of get away from, and that's why you didn't have any Daleks or any Cybermen really in that first season, which I think is dumb because it's like this character has lived this. You can't yeah. really get away from it. I kind of like it. See, I didn't like her first season. I liked her, and also... I didn't like how, even though you didn't like Capaldi, the one thing the Doctor always was was sure of himself. Yeah. And I didn't get that from Whitaker in that first season. The second season, totally got it. Like, it, they must have said to her, listen, you know, we understand you're a female Doctor and things are going to be different, but you got to at least have some of the same beats. And the first season, she didn't have that. The second season, she got a lot of the same beats and how the Doctor acts in certain situations. See, I disagree. I think that Capaldi, it was, everybody else was so much more interesting than what Capaldi was doing. He was just this great stone face. Yeah. And even when he did fun things like the guitar or the, supposedly the shades, I mm. still hate the shades. The I shades. hate them very, very much. Um, but even when he did like the rock and roll stuff uh. and all, like it just rang false to me. It mm. felt like somebody trying to do not a sanitized version of doctor who but kind of like this more digestible mm. version of doctor who and i noticed that they went back to the cybermen and dalek well a lot in the capaldi days oh yeah so i think in the same way that like capaldi brings a fresh a breath of fresh air to uh the series by being so different from matt smith and david Tennant, i think 
by having everything be different mm. for Jody Whitaker, I think that's actually a plus. So now, question on this. Um, God, I was going to say, son of a bitch. Oh, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone, gone. Oh, I was going to say something. Going, going, gone. I had a good question for you. Do you want to think about it and I'll talk about Jody Whitaker? You talk about Jody Whitaker, I okay. think about it. So I, I, I don't get the same lack of assertiveness and, and confidence from her that you're talking about, but I do love the energy she brings to the doctor. I think it's All right, great. I got it. I got it. Not to cut you off, yeah. but I just don't want to forget again. Yeah, yeah. Do you think the part, the the thing that held Capaldi back, in your opinion, and this is my only negative about him, is I never liked his companions. I actually grew to really like Clara by the end of my watch with it because she was more interesting. See, I was than never. Capaldi. She was more interesting, but I was never a fan of Clara as a companion. I wish they would have left her in that one episode where you realize that. You know, the first time you see, I don't. She wasn't Clara though, but the first no. time you see her, she was the Impossible Girl, like in the yeah. Dalek. She was actually the Dalek. Yeah. Um, I wish they would have just left it with that. With that, but, because I mean, it was such a great, heartbreaking, beautiful storyline, and then you got Clara, and I, I never liked her storyline. Like I love Jodie Whittaker's three companions. Mm-hmm. Love them. They're great. Absolutely love them. Yeah. Some of my favorite companions. Graham and his grandson, two easily two of my favorites. Yeah. And this next season coming up, they still have um what's the the female one? I can't remember. Yes. Yes. And the guy that is going to be the second companion, I've seen him before. He's a British comedian. He's awesome. Ah. So I'm very excited to see like their interactions together. Yeah. Um but I think that that like the the number one thing with Jody Whittaker is I love the companions. I really like the companions for Jody Whittaker. Mm. I I I've had an off and on relationship with Clara. I thought that she didn't really work with Matt Smith. The complete blankness of Capaldi made it so that she could really come into her own. Yes. The episode where she pretends to be the doctor, which kind of like catapults her character for the rest of uh, her time on the show mm. where she is just constantly trying to be the doctor mm. um, which is both endearing and a little I don't know having two characters with the same beats is a uh. lot so having one who's the normal excited beats that you would get from like a David Tennant or a Matt Smith gotcha. and then you have the more stone faced version and it's just like okay but this is like the same thing over and over mm. again so it just I get it mm. but they were just there were just so many elements of Capaldi that didn't hit me well. I hated all the stuff about him being president when uh, he uh, – what was it? This was uh, the the episode with Missy, the master, when she oh, comes yeah. back and, and she brings all these Cybermen. And they declare him – they declare Peter Capaldi's Doctor Who president or the doctor president. Yeah. And I – I was just like... See, I give that more to the writing and the showrunner at the moment than I do Capaldi. I don't blame Capaldi, but it was his show at the time. Yeah. So, like, he didn't bring anything to that to elevate it. Mm. He didn't help redeem it in his acting performance. I can see that. Um, I don't blame him. I blame everybody involved. But in terms of, like, if I'm looking at the weakest David Tennant episodes, you know, there's some really really weak ones from his time. I, I also just don't like Rose. <laughs> no, and I was going to say, because even though David Tennant's our favorite 
my favorite is Matt Smith and Amy is a doctor and Amy Pond. Undoubtedly, those those two together are. Uh, it's it will never be matched. No, it will never it, be matched. I, it'd be impossible. It's impossible how well they and go especially together. and you can even throw in Rory because he was great. Yeah, well, he becomes this the great centurion. Yeah, third wheel who is dynamic and deeply caring and extremely mm-hmm. human. And as a sensitive man, I feel very much for Rory in many situations. Yeah. Um, I I love that dynamic and when the pawns left i just it, the flavor went out of the gum a little mm-hmm. bit and i was just like okay well i'll see what you got and when capaldi came in i was excited i went and saw the uh, first capaldi episode mm-hmm. in a theater um and i walked out of the theater being like all right we'll see how this goes See, it's that, that, it's that classic thing, though. That's kind it's of tough. how I always feel. That's it's how tough I always with the feel. new doctor. Yeah, I feel that way with the every new doctor. And but I, I, I felt that way throughout the entirety of, and yeah. I still feel that way. I'm like, all right, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, mm-hmm. all right. I guess I guess we can do this. I guess this is. It's fine. definitely some dark moments. I will say, I uh, I did like the one season he did with Matt Lucas and uh, that was Pearl. his next to last season, I think. The, his last season. Oh, that was his last season. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I, I watched a little bit of that, uh, and that was engaging in yeah. a different way than the stuff with Clara had been. He's just so muted. Yeah. And, like, it just always comes down to, I'm tired. I don't want to be the doctor anymore. I have to save Clara, even though she's entirely capable of taking care of herself. Mm-hmm. Clara's in danger in some capacity. I have to make some crazy deal for her life. And I just, I felt like it just hit that beat over and There was that over, weird over, Maisie over. Williams storyline. Yeah. There, which... Well, there was the fact that Clara's story, like the companions always have tragic endings in some capacity. Yeah. There's some tragic element to their lives. Um, Clara's ending is that she gets to live a she's basically a time lord yeah she basically gets made into a time lord and she has her own tardis and Maisie williams is her companion who is also immortal yeah and they imply that she can go for pretty much as long as she wants because she's in between her last heartbeats Mm -hmm. so as long as she returns to that moment she can be gone as long as she wants um and like even the the TARDIS that they steal turns into something, and they're like, "Oh, the chameleon circuit's stuck. I guess mm. we're gonna be a 1950s diner from now on." And I was just like, "Okay, no, I I get it. I see what you're doing." They're hoping I'm for not a spin-off. impressed. It sounds like they were hoping for a spinoff on that show. <laughs> I'm not impressed in any way. I see what you're doing. Yeah. I go ahead. I guess, but this this is fine. This is the one where he's locked in the the castle for like 46 billion years or something. Um, oh, I forgot about that. That one. is a good one. Yeah. It, but even then, there were a lot of moments where I was just like, Capaldi's acting here, where he should be doing the heavy lifting. Don't buy it. Don't get it. Doesn't yeah. work for me. Clara's just died. Spoiler alert. Um, but also spoiler, she's not dead. Yeah. Um, and. He's supposed to be this vengeful, wrathful man. And like he gets down a flight of stairs and encounters a ghost from his childhood and is immediately like a scared little boy. Mm. 
And I'm just like, I get it. I get what you're doing. I mm. get it. But it doesn't hit for me. It seems like it should. The elements are all there, but it doesn't come together. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That was well, all of Capaldi I'll have to. Me. I'll have to return that Peter Capaldi Funko Pop I got. <laughs> all right, folks. So that was our uh, oh my hour God, long. That was an hour? I know. We've been crushing it tonight. <laughs> Um, so for those of you that are interested who have not seen Doctor Who or haven't seen it in a while, if you go, if you are a um, subscriber to HBO Max, that is currently where every Doctor Who episode is streaming on. That is where I have been um, just baking away the last few yeah, days. Yeah, I thought you've been baking away. Um, <laughs> but if you don't have HBO Max, I found last year a hidden gem. Because if you buy individual seasons of Doctor Who, they're like $40, $50. Mm-hmm. Especially the Blu-rays are really expensive. They started selling on Amazon these DVD box sets of the entire run of each Doctor. They have the first one is Christopher Eccleston, David Tennant. Every episode they've done for twenty dollars. Yeah. And then the one for Matt Smith is twenty one ninety nine, and the one for um, uh, Peter Capaldi's nineteen oh three. But it's like every episode in really good quality DVDs. For $20 for Eccleston and Tenet is, like, I almost thought I stole it from Amazon. I was going to send them more money. I'm like, this can't be. Voodoo has like Because I think the Blu-ray is, the Blu-ray for, like, the entire Matt Smith I saw was, like, $384 or something like that. Because they, each Blu-ray season is, like, 40 bucks, 50 bucks, something crazy like that. Yeah. Um. So if you're looking for Doctor Who and you're not HBO Max, go on Amazon, type it in. You can go to libraries, especially the older doctors. Yeah, I'll plug uh, Voodoo. Voodoo, mm. if you wanna, if you wanna do a little support, if you wanna do a little, little... Voodoo pass money, and I'm, we'll. I'm just saying, I have a giant Voodoo library. I'd love to be a spokesperson or something. Yes. If you wanna give me a little something on the back end, um, but uh, Voodoo has a very similar sale mm. where I think they're all about twenty bucks right now. Which I've, is awesome. I've gone through and just been like, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm supposed to be saving money right now, but maybe. Yeah, twenty dollars. Yeah. Come on. All right, folks. So once again, this was episode nineteen of Nerd Pod Generations. This was the infamous Doctor Who episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. My name is Steve Taylor. You can find me at staylorbooks.com. I am Alfred Judson. You can find me at judsonstudios.work under the Bronx Division tab. And you have a good night, friends and enemies. Bye, everyone.